Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Gaggle listeners. It's producer Kaylee Monahan. A quick note before this episode. It was recorded before the announcement of a tentative settlement between the city of Phoenix and the American Civil Liberties Union of Arizona over a lawsuit relating to its treatment of the homeless. As of 5 a.m. on April 5, 2023, the details of the proposed settlement have not been made public. Here's today's episode. On March 28th, a Maricopa County Superior Court judge ordered the city of Phoenix to clear out a large homeless camp. This is an area of tents, tarps, sleeping bags, and other makeshift housing that lies within view of the state capitol. The city hasn't made clear whether it intends to carry out that order or appeal it. The zone, as it's commonly called, has some 1,000 people living along 9th and 13th Avenues from Jefferson Street to the railroad track south of Jackson Street, and along Jefferson, Madison, and Jackson Streets from 8th to 13th Avenues. The land is public property, and the court states that it's unlawful to camp or set up residence there. Local business owners are relieved to see something being done, they say the large homeless encampment wreaks havoc on their properties and their livelihoods. But the unsheltered and humanitarian groups argue that this move leaves many people with nowhere else to go. This situation speaks to the larger issue of housing inequality and a long-standing problem of persistent homelessness. Welcome to The Gaggle a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Each week, we take a closer look at the issues that affect you. I'm Ron Hansen, national politics reporter for the Republic. And I'm Mary Jo Pitzel. I cover state politics and government for the paper. Today, we're going to examine the how and why behind the Valley's housing and homelessness crisis. To help us understand the situation, we're joined by two of the Republic's housing reporters, Catherine Rager is our senior real estate reporter, and Juliet Ryle, who covers housing insecurity and homelessness. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, ladies, thanks for coming on. I want to ask the big picture question that is probably on the minds of everyone these days when they think about this. How did the city of Phoenix end up with such a large and visible unhoused population? Well, we have to start. We've never had a housing crisis like this before. We have a housing shortage of 150 to 250,000 homes. We've had a big population coming in. And while we're doing that, we haven't had enough affordable housing. We have an eviction crisis. We have rising rents that we've led the nation a year ago in rents. And so you see it. It is the crux of where we've come to. And Juliet's written about this. Homeless population numbers were flat across the country, according to HUD. We were up more than 23%, 24%. And so this is a newer problem. We've always seen it, but now 
You see it at the zone. You see it at every most interstate bypasses. You see it walking through neighborhoods that they never before at parks, at the Coliseum. And it happened quickly and the pandemic hit. And so the crisis just was exacerbated. So we are coming at it from every angle. And to see what is going on in the zone and how other cities are responding besides Phoenix is also part of the process. And that lawsuit is a tough one, right? Yeah. And I would add too that the zone isn't just folks who are unhoused who were in Phoenix. It's kind of become the symbol of homelessness throughout the valley because all of the service providers are concentrated there at the human services campus. You have unhoused people coming from other areas like Glendale, Tempe, Mesa in order to seek services, and then they wind up staying there. So it's not just Phoenix's unhoused population, but really a regional issue. Can you give us a sense of how large our homeless population is and how that stacks up compared to other large cities? Sure. So according to the annual point-in-time count, which is the national effort to count the homeless population, in 2022, Arizona had more than 13,000 people experiencing homelessness, and more than half of those folks were unsheltered, meaning that they weren't staying in a shelter or temporary housing. They were on the street, maybe in their cars, in tents, et cetera. And in the zone, just the zone alone, on any given time, you have 800 to 1,000 people. And again, that's a count by hand. I want to convey that you can't necessarily rely on those counts. They're very inaccurate because it really is just volunteers going out and trying to visually count the number of people they see, but they don't capture everyone. Some people are hiding. Some people are sleeping in their car in a place that's not visible. Some people are moving while the count is taking place. Experts agree that the point-in-time count numbers are at worst, a severe undercount. And compared to the rest of the country, right now, Arizona's homeless population is accelerating much faster. When you look at the overall country's homeless population, it actually pretty much held steady between 2020 and 2022. A lot of people believe that that's because of the huge investments that were made into housing and homeless services at that time during the pandemic. Arizona's, though, did not hold steady by any means. Ours increased by about 23 percent between 2020 and 2022. So what I will say is that our unsheltered and, and homeless population is growing much faster. I mean, it's always been a problem, but they had a grip on it before with the human services campuses. And they were, you know, the shelters they were providing and the growth. And it just exploded. We knew going into the pandemic with our growth, but it was this whole trickle down, you know, and, and the eviction process and where how quickly you can be out of a place. Well, why hasn't the city of Phoenix taken more urgent action on this issue? Now that the judges ruled that the camp's got to be cleaned up and the tents removed, where are these unhoused people supposed to go? Does the city have a plan and how quickly are they moving on it? That's a great question. Uh, the city has not yet announced its plan on what it will do regarding the zone. We're all kind of anxiously waiting to hear what the response will be. But the city has taken a lot of steps in the past year to create more shelter space. It created hundreds of shelter beds last year and has another 800 more in the pipeline over the next two years. The problem is the problem is growing at a much faster rate than the city is able to keep up with. 
the city of Phoenix is in a really tough spot right now because it's actually dealing with two court orders and two separate lawsuits that, depending on how it handles it, could conflict with one another. There's an ACLU lawsuit where the city was given an order in December not to cite people for urban camping or sleeping on the street and not to take away any of their belongings without giving them ample notice. But with this court order, the city is being directed to clear out all of the tents. And so it's really going to have to carefully navigate how to comply with both of those orders simultaneously. And I think that's the challenge right now. And meanwhile, people are dying in the zone. The zone is growing. The homeless population is growing. And these You know, the first lawsuit was filed in September and it had several issues where judges had to recuse and did this so process and it's tragic. How much of the homelessness that we see now is due to what the city has done or not done on this? And how much of it is because of the unique population, the people who are in these circumstances? How much of it is due to them? You know, a lot of people agree that the city could be doing more, that it's been too hands off in this situation and has allowed the zone to grow to where it is now. It's difficult because there's only so much power the city has and so much money and resources the city has towards this issue. And the Office of Homeless Solutions, which was just created and launched in November, has been working very quickly to try to you know, mitigate this crisis. But It all goes back to the lack of affordable housing, evictions, people being pushed out of their homes, rising prices of housing. And until that is really addressed, I don't think we're going to see this slow down. You know, the problem is we had this growth boom and really hit right before the pandemic. And at the same time, because we were growing so fast, we had all these investors coming in and they started buying these apartments. And a lot of them were the low-income apartments and they raised the rents. And the way our laws are set up, You can't pay the rent at the end, you're evicted. And because they could make so much money on the rents, a lot of these out-of-state investors, they stopped taking housing vouchers at the same time. So a lot of these people had housing vouchers. They couldn't afford the rents. So, so many of our homeless, you know, it was a problem and it always has been a problem, but we was more manageable and they were trying to keep up with things. All of a sudden it just exploded and it was coming together with all those things. And, you know, the efforts to build more housing because we need more housing, we don't have enough are a huge start. So it sounds like the city's got to thread a needle here um, with the conflicting court orders and all the various pressures that the city's facing from, as I understand it, all corners to do something about this. Can you talk a little more specifically about what Mayor Gallego's planning to do about this? Mayor Gallego has said that she would like to prioritize finding housing for these folks. And You know, legal minds differ on what types of shelter would be adequate enough to comply with both of those orders simultaneously. I spoke to one legal expert from UCLA's law school who said that the city could create a structured campground like it did during the COVID-19 pandemic at the start. And they could have this tented structure where they have 24-7 security, they have services, places for people to, you know, take a shower perhaps, and that that would be a potential solution. However, I also spoke to a legal expert from the National Homelessness Law Center who said that a structured campground doesn't necessarily meet, in his view, uh, the legal definition of adequate housing. And so without putting these people into hotel rooms or shelter beds or 
another type of more quality housing, it would conflict in his mind with the ACLU's order. So it's tough. And placing those, finding a spot where you can put that. There's a big fight. The NIMBYism is at an extreme here. And most people don't want this. And, you know, the people who filed the lawsuit for the zone, the business owners and residents, and you listen to what they went through, um, they're still, you hear from them, still concerned. Even if it's structured campus, they're, they're still going to have the problems. So where do you move it to? Where does it go when you're getting fight and opposition across the board? And that's the problem, too. The county created a structured campground before during the pandemic that was on a parking lot, but it was only 200 spaces. It still faced a lot of opposition because it was in the summer. It was still very hot there. Um, But a lot of people think that it was a more viable solution than this giant encampment that's happening now. But 200 spaces is, is not going to even make a dent in the zone's current population when we're looking at 800 to 1,000 people on any given day. So looking at other areas for solutions, um, Catherine, you've been tracking a bill at the legislature from Senator Steve Kaiser, a Republican from Phoenix. His aim is to deal with housing affordability, to allow more affordable housing, which arguably would help get people off the street. The bill had an epic bipartisan fail last month. What's happening with that now? I'm hearing that he wants to try to revive it in some ways in the way he can and bring it back. Problem is, it's like, as you said, from bipartisan opposition, but also community developers and housing advocates are not thrilled with it. And it's one thing is they're worried about it wouldn't create more affordable housing. It could create more housing. And some people think that can help the problem because there's the trickle down. You know, if you rent this, then the next person can rent this. But that doesn't immediately address the problem of what we're dealing with. And then, of course, there's the whole part of changing the zoning process because that's a complaint about trying to build this housing. It takes too long. You know, some cases you're two years out, so we're not even close, but they want to take some of that control away from the local governments, the city and the county. And that is a fight and a fight that I don't think they'll be able to win. So, uh, you know, they had the whole housing shortage committee that met for months and it was legislative backed and they had 500 pages and proposals and Many people who read that and were on email on the committee don't feel like the bill addresses the problem. This is a bigger issue, obviously, than simply a shortage of physical housing. There is, it seems to me, an ecosystem of failure on many fronts here. What else is being contemplated at the legislature to address the root causes of this problem? Are there any serious bills being considered? Is there any sense of resources? being brought to the table either by the city, the county, the state. For other legislation, really, the Kaiser Bill has been the big one. There have been some other ones on helping, you know, mobile home park residents because that's terrible and the housing vouchers. But one thing is, is that, you know, we had an Arizona Housing Trust Fund and it was wiped during the recession and they did put some funding back into it. And we got more funding last year. Governor Hobbs is proposing $150 million. That has to go through. But that isn't taxpayer money. That's on, you know, sale of revenue from lost items. And then we had a um, regional commission from all the interagencies and the nonprofits to work on homelessness and um, affordable housing. And that was cut during the Ducey administration. And Governor Hobson wants to bring that back. So that's a dialogue starting. And we have the first, I believe, um, 
past two years, low-income tax credit to spur more affordable housing, and that helps a lot. That goes to the Department of Housing. They want to make that permanent. So they're trying to create these mechanisms and funding, taxpayer funding. We still have you know, federal stimulus money that can be used on that to address the bigger problem. And those are good signs we're seeing. And we are seeing more projects get through, but we're just so far behind. We're so far behind. And anywhere you look, like I mentioned on streets, the newly homeless who still have suitcases and are going around that home, it's, it's unbelievable and that problem. So we're just not moving fast enough and we're not doing enough yet. So we spent a lot of time talking about what entities, governments are trying to do about this. What's been the experience with moving people out of the zone and off of the street? I mean, do people want to move into housing? We often hear arguments that they want to be on the streets. I think the majority of people certainly do not want to be on on the streets. It really boils down to what alternative is being offered to them. It's true that many people don't want to be in congregate shelters, and there are a number of reasons for that. Some people don't feel safe there. Maybe they can't bring their pets or their belongings. They can't be with their partner or their family. You know, congregate shelters are are hard places to exist for a lot of folks. When offered an alternative where they have more autonomy and sense of security, I have seen that most people will take that to staying on the street. Certainly not everyone, but there have been several cleanups of blocks of the zone that have been run by the city in the past couple of months. And during those cleanups, the city crew, with the help of nonprofits, helps folks move their tents block by block so that the city can clean the street. And as they do that, the city offers people a hotel room to stay in rather than keeping their tent out there. And the majority of people take the hotel room, right, because it's it's private, it's clean. It's very different than being offered a shelter bed. So I think that really shows that most people don't want to be out on the street if they have somewhere that they feel is better to go. And that's been a, a really successful move so far. During the, the city and the county, they used the state housing department they used the federal money and they bought older hotels that were run down. The neighbors didn't oppose it because it was, you know, something was being done with it. And they turned these into homeless shelters and they are doing well and they're trying to do more. So it is a step that's working for us here. And they're across the you know, valley. They're not just in one area. And again, neighbors have seen them and they already, you know, consider it a problem with crime and blight. So they feel like now they have security. They're being fixed up a little bit. So that's working. It's important to add, too, that even if people wanted to get into a shelter tonight, many, if not all, of these shelters are full perpetually. So it's not like they can just walk right in and and have some place to stay. It's a lot more complicated than that. And even the shelters don't have a place for all of these people to go. This isn't just a Phoenix or an Arizona problem. It's been playing out in other cities from Washington, D.C., to Los Angeles. Has anyone done anything in recent years that stands out to you as a national model of something to try and bring down this problem to help manage it in some humane, workable way? In Houston, um, which does not have any zoning of any kind, which makes it a little easier to do these things, it was illegal to camp on the streets. To sleep on the street. So they were sleeping in overpasses and different things. A former uh, mayor stepped in and because of the different zoning, not having multiple governments like we do in Houston, it's just one big city without as many outliers, 
they were able to come in and they do have encampments and they've been able to provide more shelters. But one thing that was really interesting is they relied on not only nonprofits, but churches and schools to step in and help and find solutions. So it was really a community effort and their homeless population has fallen. And so it's kind of a city by city thing. Seattle has thought they have some campus of different things to be doing. Denver, Austin, outside of the city has a area and a lot of people are thriving there. And you find some with tiny homes are coming in. So it's really city by city. And you have to deal with the different zoning, the different laws, and it's a hard model to fall through. But um, but we're behind on finding it. The most effective approaches that I've seen and heard about are the ones that aren't a one-size-fits-all solution. So something that you'll hear homelessness service providers say all the time over and over again is you really have to meet people where they are and housing one person does not necessarily look like housing for the next person, right? Um, and so it, it's really about getting people in their individual circumstances into the best programs and housing options for them, as well as having wraparound services. Some people are going to need extra support for the rest of their lives, whether that's because of substance use or uh, mental health struggles or any number of things. There's no one-size-fits-all solution, and it's not always just about housing. It has to be about housing and these other services as well. Another uh, concern that service providers I've spoken with have is if the zone is cleared out, depending on where people are moved and where they go, that could make them farther from the services at the human services campus. And so accessing services could be even more of a challenge than it is right now, depending on what the city does and where it moves people. And we do have success stories. We talk about the hotels. You know, um, the healthcare providers in Arizona must reinvest some of their access profits. And they have started building this housing that is surrounded, surrounded services. So like someone who was on the street now moves in, they can get job training. They have their medical needs met there. They get services for psychiatric or any kind of um, mental health issues. And they are already showing that that saves the taxpayer money. So to support that because they're not going to the emergency room for healthcare. And they are, you know, actually getting training, getting jobs. So we do have some good models and it's just getting more of those and getting them faster. They're using existing apartments there and it's getting that fight back from neighbors in some cases and talking to them if you can go in and do that. So efforts, I've, I've never seen this kind of effort and people are talking about it, they're aware. We just got to move. Well, thank you ladies for joining us today. If people want to follow your work on housing and homelessness, where can they find you on social media? I'm at Katherine Rager on Twitter. I'm at Juliet Ryle on Twitter and Ryle spelled R-I-H-L. That's it for this week, Gaggle listeners. Stay on top of the latest homeless crisis news and other political news at azcentral.com. Do you have questions you want us to answer or topics you want us to cover? Reach out to us at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com or give us a call at 602-444-0804. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and share it with a friend. To make sure you never miss an episode, follow The Gaggle on your favorite podcast app. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Mary J. Pitzel. That's P-I-T-Z-L. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. The editor and producer of today's episode is Kaylee Monahan. You can follow her at Kaylee Monahan. That's K-A-E-L-Y-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.